Good evening and welcome to Slam the Gavel, the show that tells it all regarding family court and CPS issues. I'm your host, Marianne Petrie, and since 2016, Monica Shimonik has been coaching moms and dads as they navigate through the treacherous waters of the family law racket. Aside from workshops, which helps with specific problems, her 12-week signature course, The Best Interest of the Parent, uses a four-quadrant model to create a robust healing and empowerment system so that you control the narrative in your life, not the state. Use coupon code slam the gavel to get 10% off the course. And that will be included in the podcast notes. I have back on my show, Mark T. Andrews. He was season two, episode 80. And he's a father of two and part of the abusive family court legal system. And I'm so glad to have him back on because we're going to talk about the effects that this court system has on everybody, ourselves included. And so I welcome you, Mark William. Uh, Mark T. Andrews, I'm so sorry. <laughs> glad to have you back on. Thanks. Glad to be back, Marianne. How is your day going? Oh, so far? Okay. How are you? Hey, I'm doing okay. And hearing that you went all the way from England to California, it's amazing what this internet can do for us. I know. It's good because it's getting the word out. <laughs> it's, 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 it's really starting to get out there. And that's what we need because we're not going to be able to change any laws if we don't all get together and say this is unacceptable. And especially with what we're talking about today, which is PTSD and what parents go through after you've walked through a set of doors at a courthouse called the family law courtroom. Um, uh, the catastrophic effects of what you're going to go through don't even reach you till years later, you know? Mm -hmm. And so let's, let's talk about the PTSD. You know, um, I know I personally, I've gone through this for 19 years, 73 hearings. And um, I suffered really bad PTSD um, around the time I had my first heart attack, which I've had two heart attacks and open heart surgery. Um, during the time of my first heart attack, I couldn't get to sleep any night between, it was like two or three in the morning. I was always trying to talk to the judge, going over the case, going over paperwork. Why isn't this law being followed? Why can't I get a ruling? And I finally succumbed to it and had my first heart attack and a couple stints put in. And what it's amounted to now is about every six years I've had a heart procedure. And this last June, I went in for what they thought was going to be a stint. They went in my wrist to go put this in, and um, I come out of surgery. And they're like, nah, you're going back in four days. Um, we're going to do an op open heart quadruple bypass surgery on you. Otherwise, you're not going to make it. And my blood had to thicken up because of the medicine they gave me. My blood is so thin. Um, I would have bled out on the table. So um, I've manifested it in heart disease. Um, but I've also, through my work as a process server, um, I see people just become neurotic about things. Um, anxiety, I hear a lot of people with anxiety getting anxiety meds. Mm -hmm. um, there's therapies that are needed, you know, just to get through it. I mean, you go from where, like I was when my kids were little, six and eight, where you spend every day, you know, you come home, you look forward to whatever war is going on over the toy in the living room, to I'll see you in two weeks for two hours on Sunday. 
And you, as a parent, you've got to try to justify that in your head. Mm-hmm. And then you start getting up every morning and it's like, my kid's not here. Where's that little person demanding, um, you know, Captain Crunch mm-hmm. and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And it has disaster effects on our health and our mental well-being. Um, I've kind of gained a tough uh, exterior over it where I kind of hide it pretty well. But I'm one of those, if you put me um, watching a Hallmark movie mm-hmm. with a dad and a daughter or a dad and a son, I'm done. I lose it. I just, I can't hold back. Didn't matter, room full of people or by myself um, because I'm still waiting. I haven't seen my kids since 2008 and I just wait for that one word. Hello. Mm-hmm. And I don't know about you, but I'm still not sleeping good. I sleep kind of weird. I'm one of those, I got to fall asleep to the TV. Mm-hmm. And my other half, she doesn't sleep to, you know, she likes it dead silent. So I normally fall asleep in the living room, then saunter into the room later about one to three in the morning. Mm-hmm. But I don't get any steady sleep at all. Mm-hmm. Plus with the, the heart, uh, heart medicine and stuff, uh, you get up and, you know, you got to use the restroom and stuff at night. And just, I literally, I can't remember having a full night's sleep in years where I went to bed and didn't get up till 6, 7 a.m. Just doesn't happen. And that is another thing that's very bad for our bodies. We need that REM sleep um, to recover and, you know, to function normally. Otherwise, you need addictive substances like <laughs> caffeine. <laughs> Definitely. I this is this is horrible. It's like I dread the night. I try to stay up till like 11:30 and then I'll start feeling tired and then I'll go to bed. But then you're I don't know, you just can't sleep good. It's 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 horrible after everything you've been through and put through and hauled through with this legal abuse. You just can't. You just don't have your life back to the way it was. I mean, and I think that's something they've got to come up with. I think you were, you and I were talking about this one time in the past, what's called legal abuse syndrome. I mean, Mm -hmm. PTSD came originally out of war. I remember hearing originally what it was called was shell shock. And that's when um, troops got the the, uh, medical attention they needed. And we've watered it down with our, you know, blase society and the dullards that run things to say it's called post-traumatic stress disorder. We've taken all the feeling out of it, but it is a real syndrome. And it is something many, many, many parents like you and I have suffered through. And mm-hmm. it also, um, it has its sister or brother alongside it called um, legal abuse syndrome. Because I think they would clear a lot of these cases out of the courts if they would just obey the laws but they make too much money by keeping us coming back. So here we are. We, we suffer and they make money. Mm-hmm. I, they don't even realize how much we are suffering. Like, I think I told you about that case of that woman in the UK. It was about two years ago that when her kids were taken away from her, she dropped out of a heart attack right there in the courtroom. So yeah, I wonder what... The- I, I, I wonder what the judge. I believe they know it's happening, but I don't think they care. You know, the average judge makes one hundred eighty thousand dollars a year. They sleep pretty darn well at night, and they know they've got to serve their masters, which is the government that pays them. 
So their job is to keep creating income, not to settle these cases. And the sad thing, I mean, I've always said this about my case. I got to suffer through what I got to suffer through because I married my now ex-wife and I didn't, you know, get through it and I got divorced. So I got to suffer that. But what the kids go through, I mean, I don't even, I've seen my kids so little in 18 years. It's less than one month's worth of hours. And I don't even know what they'd suffer through other than that they're so damaged they won't even talk to me now. My daughter moved across the country. I missed both high school and college graduations. Um, I wasn't even invited to the wedding. You know, you think you look forward to giving your daughter away at her wedding. Mm. I wasn't even told. I had to find out it was on Facebook. Oh, There's I'm a so way to sorry. find out. Hey, my, my daughter got married. I mean, I'm happy for her. She married a nice airman. His name's Jonathan Tillman. Uh, I know they, uh, they moved out to Dover, Delaware recently and bought a house only because of what I do for a living. I hunt down people. So um, one of my investigators told me when I went to look for my daughter in Seattle where she was living, he goes, no, you're not even close. Try the other end of the country over in Delaware. And wow. so I found, that's how I found out they moved out there. Oh, that's but so these sad. Parents who don't have, yeah, these parents that don't have the abilities that I have. I mean, I can call an investigator and I can find out where people lived their phone number. I can find out all kinds of things. Um, those who can't, that adds, you know, going back to that PTSD, not knowing about your kids. Uh, one, one of the most um, ingrained memories in me was back in 2002, um, there was a, a um, earthquake that hit the Santa Rosa area, which is where we live. I literally watched my street ripple and I saw the wall in my house move when it, you know, hit. And there were orders that I couldn't call up and find out about my kids. And I'm wondering, you know, are they okay? Did anything happen? You know, this was within a mile of our house was the epicenter of this earthquake. I mean, it scared the, it, it felt like somebody drove a car into the house. Mm -hmm. And to, to just not even just be able to call and say, are you okay? Mm -hmm. That. I can't describe that feeling. I mean, I would have crawled on my hands and knees the 30 miles to their house if I had to, to see if they were okay. And I just wasn't allowed. It would have been a violation of a court order. It would have been a violation of a restraining order. And I've gone to jail three times on four charges of uh, restraining order issues. Granted, they're always, they've always been dropped because there's no intent to, you know, do wrong or something. I'm just, trying to get a hold of my children. Mm -hmm. But these type of things, you know, you look at the central United States when a, a tornado comes through. And I can only imagine something like that. And, you know, you want to see if your kids, you know, you know, a couple blocks away or whatever, okay. I know what those parents are living through and it's horrific. It's also, even in the school systems, um, you know, one of mine, he broke his leg in gym class, and I was the last to know. <laughs> comes in with a kiss. Hey, mom, would you sign this? And he's right. got like 30 signatures on it already, right? Oh, yes, especially one by the stepmom that was up high, like by where his knee is on the cast. And it says, uh -huh. uh, lots of love, mom. It's like, you know, you're not the mom. <laughs> I'm the mom. <laughs> 
Uh, oh, I know that feeling. That's that's sick. my ex-wife. My ex-wife just to stick it to me harder went and date only dated the best man from our wedding and married him, and they're still married to this day. But talk about cut off my best friend and. The, the person that, you know, was one of my closest friends in the world is the one they call dad now. I've been erased. I mean, I haven't heard from my daughter since 2008. I haven't heard her voice or nothing. Um, my son, I saw him once in 2012 for an hour in a therapy office. And uh, he got up at the end of it. He stood up. He points at me. He goes, I don't like you. Points at the ground. He goes, I don't like this. And then he did his little salute wave. And he goes, I'm out of here. Oh, and I was the last I've seen of him. And the therapist, I remember coming back in and she's, you know, ready for me to be bawling my eyes out. And all I noticed was my son had gotten like almost a foot and a half taller. He was slender. He didn't, oh, back at his age, I had long hair, but he doesn't. He had short hair. And I was just, I everything about my son I took in that day because I hadn't seen him in, at that point, four years. And it was just, I got to see him. And he wasn't the little boy anymore. And these are things that add into that PTSD. I mean, they're gone and all of a sudden they have a growth spurt. Um, we're talking about sharing a good thing here. And this is something I'll go into. But um, I have a case I was working on with a Dr. Susan down in Beverly Hills. And she's been trying to get her children back from her ex who just came to the school and absconded with them. And I've helped do a bunch of filings. But last night she got a call. And the kids just came over her house. And she was so floored. I mean, she sent me a picture from the kitchen table. But what I what I noticed the most is when I went out there and did the first serve in that case, um, I had to go to the house. And the father sent his little nine-year-old son out with a camera to film me. And the kids started capping on me and making fun of me while he's filming me, right? Mm -hmm. And the little man, you need to, you know, straighten up stuff. I get this picture last night. He's now six feet tall and as big as me, you know, and I can only imagine what Susan was thinking, you know, from the little boy. I mean, he literally shot up two feet mm -hmm. in a short amount of time. And um, I mean, I'm so happy for Susan and Chris von Schlobem. Uh, they got to see their kids last night and, you know, had a family night. And that's just great. It gives us all hope. But in, Susan's another one. She's a doctor every day, a dermatologist in Beverly Hills. And, you know, I can't imagine having to work with people and stuff every day and you've got to be focused and thinking. Mm -hmm. um, it's not always easy. I know for my own job, I got to keep a pad around because I, I mean, I get a lot of work and then you get this law stuff. You know, mm -hmm. I don't think any of us thought we'd be going to law school um, after we got married. <laughs> right, right. No, none of us thought this was going to happen, but then none of us thought our spouses could change from night and day in a period of months or years. Right. Because you went from being the person you love most in the world to the biggest villain in the world. Right. Uh, it just kind of floors me that, you know, people can change and even, you know, if you wait a while, like several years before you have kids with them, and you're wondering, gee, is this, is this normal behavior? You know, is this an up and down type of behavior they're having? So if you don't know how to judge a personality disorder, you know, I think 
I think before people get married, you know, like some, some of these religions have like a pre-Cana class type of thing. I don't know. I think they should be going over personality disorders in there too. I once heard a joke. It was kind of a comedian doing, but I thought it was hilarious. And what I remember of it, because I don't remember who he was, because can you imagine if you go on the first date and you just open up, you know, he says, well, I'm a narcissist and you're going to see me about one weekend every four weeks. And she goes, well, I have daddy issues and I'm going to take all your money and never let you see your kids again. Would you keep going to the second date? Right, right. If, yeah, if but we you've all- got to live yeah, you got to live through it and find out and stuff like that. And well, it, it, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, no. Please. Well, it's like th- this is a generational uh, issue, curse, whatever you want to call it, but it's going to continue, I, I guess, until these kids that have gone through this. I mean, they need serious counseling. Yes, and it's at some point, if not us, the next generation is going to have to put their foot down because, excuse me, all this is is a buying and selling of humans, this chattel in the courtroom, you know? Think about it. You go and you pay a lawyer in a criminal case, you go to court, you find out if you're guilty or you're, you know, free, uh, cleared. And your case is over. Um, you sue about somebody owed you something on a contract. You go to court. Well, hey, I'm going to get $10,000 of that. But you go to family court, and it goes on and on and on and on. And mine is now in its 19th year. I'm before the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals, which has bounced me out. And um, we're actually, we found in the federal rule guide, a way to go back under the Rule 60 motion since fraud was committed in the courtroom. Um, but we weren't meant to be going to court forever. I've been doing it since 2002. I mean, how long has your case been going on, Marianne? Oh, geez. Um, 2013. <laughs> okay, so you got eight years. Yeah, it's it's crazy that we just got to keep going back and there's supposed to be a thing called res judicata, which is a legal term that means done. Mm-hmm. I don't know how, um, unless the kids die or the parent dies, I don't know of a res judicata case in family law. Mm-hmm. And especially with the child support issues, because even when the kids age out like mine, mine are 24 and 26, mm-hmm. they want that money because they get matching funding from the federal government. So they've just got incentive to chase you and make your life a living hell until they get their money. And I mean, I'm, a, I'm at a point where my fees and fines exceed my child support. And that's another thing that leads to PTSD. I mean, at least with some debts, like I just went through COVID like everybody else. I had five months where I couldn't pay my landlord. Mm-hmm. And fortunately, you know, she was such a blessing. She let me, you know, slide with it, you know, and I mean, I know there were some rules, but still it's just, they can, you know, give you a hard time if they want. Um, mine didn't, but to have, you know, five months of rent behind you and I've already caught up. I'm only within six weeks of paying it off and being completely caught up. But again, a debt like that weighs on you. And mm-hmm. child support, I don't know that I'll ever pay it off. I think I'll meet the grave before the debt is paid. 
And that's another one of those things, you know, if you're responsible and you work hard and, you know, you, you try to be a good and upstanding citizen, it weighs on you. Mm-hmm. And then you start to stack these things on one another. It's called the PTSD sandwich. You've mm-hmm. got your child support. You've got missing the child. You've got to learn law now. You've got to learn how to handle a judge. You've got to decide if you can afford to get a lawyer. And if you can, did you get a good one that's not going to throw you under the bus? And if you find out one's going to throw you under the bus, well, then you got to get rid of him and get another one and come up with another retainer. Oh, I didn't have another $10,000 sitting around. Now I got to do that. Now I got to put my house up, uh, you know, and get money from my house and I'm in debt further. And it's, it's just on and on. And they wonder why we're going through this. I don't, I've never taken the drug Xanax, but I've heard of a lot of people who go through such anxiety with all this. They take this drug, you know, I fortunately live on top of a mountain and get to walk around up here in the clean air on a, a beautiful college campus. Mm-hmm. And um, that's my, my therapy, that and a whole lot of music. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I just, I just can't see why they, this is allowed to be legal and done to us. Mm-hmm. And this is a form of extortion and slavery. Oh, well, you, I mean, you, we did the last show, you, we talked about my video. I mean, how do you feel when you're asking a judge for a requisite hearing under the law and she tells you, hey, until you start paying and getting on board, I'm not inclined to do anything. Mm-hmm. Last time I checked, you didn't have to pay to get a hearing unless it was an initial filing in a courthouse. You know, I'm in the middle of my thing. They took away my licenses. And hey, the law right here says you got to give me a hearing in 30 days or give it back. In my case, they held it eight and a half months. Can you imagine? I mean, you were a nurse, so you had to have a license. Mm-hmm. I, uh, was a, uh, I worked on cars. I had to have a license in the state. They go and take your way to make a living. Mm-hmm. How are you going to, if you don't have a bunch of savings or anything, you know, you've got a family and stuff, you're feeding and stuff, and you got only a couple hundred bucks in the bank. How do you survive that? Mm-hmm. You know, that's why the law states it's 30 days or give it back because they feel if they, if you warranted taking away, then give them a hearing and decide what's going to happen and give them a plan to, you know, get out. I just refuse to pay them because I caught my ex-wife and her lawyer lying. And the percentage of custody that they based the child support on was erroneous. You know, mm-hmm. I had zero custody and had to pay the maximum. And I'm like, no. I should be one. I should have actually been the one with the custody. I wasn't lying to the court. Mm-hmm. And again, yeah, this is another thing that just factors into PTSD. These are the things I fought over every night till two in the morning, you know, and then you get on and you try to put a sentence in Google 10 different ways to get mm-hmm. laws and things to go back and say, your honor, here's what the law is. You've got to obey the law. They don't do anything they don't want to do because mm-hmm. what do you got to do? You've got to appeal it. You've got to pay the court for an appeal. You've got to go and find out what the appellate uh, code of procedure is and know that you're filing things in the right order. And if you do one thing wrong, well, hey, we're just going to default you. So you lose the money you paid to go to court. And this is the craziness that we're forced to go into. I mean, come on, I fixed cars and I worked with rock bands. I never thought I'd be in the legal community. I know I turned it into a business. Mm-hmm. And it, the one beautiful thing I can say about what I do and well, what I do for people is the one time they tried to charge me for trespassing in a case, 
eight lawyers stood up in the courtroom as I walked up to the bench. My name was called. One of them on the end, his name was Stephen Taxman, great DUI attorney in California, if you ever need one. Um, he took my papers. I'll take this one, Your Honor. And um, I mean, it was dismissed. I have a limited exemption under the law. But it was just so nice to see, you know, eight of the best attorneys in town stand up. And, Which one of us do you want to represent you? You know, that that was a good feeling, you know, and it's a, and it's a good community. But even in what I've done, I've sued a judge. Of, the, uh, of those eight, three of those are personal friends, and even they can't represent me because the retribution for going after a judge for not obeying the law, um, you want to talk about pressure, um, I got no problem. I'll take it on. They took what I value most in the world in my children, and mm -hmm. I'm going to back and I'm going to get a remedy for what you violated in my life. Mm -hmm. Oh, yes. That's, that's how I feel. And, you know... Um... It's like you've got some of these Facebook groups of, you know, for, um, say, uh, like parental alienation pages. And sometimes you've got people that just don't like you. And they'll even call you, well, she, you know, she's so happy. I'm thinking, here you are, a parental alienation activist, and you're not backing someone who's trying to get justice. And I just thought I'd throw that in there because it, you got to watch who you talk to. And I don't know where I was going with this, but yeah. I just. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, hey, well, no, I can, I can uh, jump onto that because I've, I've recently dealt with it. Um, one thing I'm trying to do under my I Am The Storm page for my up and coming podcast that we're launching um, is I'm trying to unite the bigger groups together so we have a bigger voice. Um, I recently met with Eric Carroll from Dad Talk what a down-to-earth guy. I met him and his team, uh, Melissa Isaacs and Robert Garza um, in San Jose. And we talked about, we want to have one message to the politicians from coast to coast and from border to border. And this is unacceptable. The fatherlessness in the country, um, you know, dad gets shipped off 80-something uh, percent of the time. And then there are a few moms that suffer through this. And we were going to go to the politicians and... I've proposed to the group a Family Law Bill of Rights Act, where there's a, a minimum standard in family law courts, and that when judges do not uphold the law, which violates their oath of office, that they should be accountable to the people. You know, you can't sit here and go, oh, well, I have absolute immunity. Mm -hmm. I understand in a position where a judge has discretion that you know, you can't go after them for uh, something they make a decision on with discretion. But take my licensing issue we were just talking about. The, the law says clearly 30 days or give back license. And mm -hmm. I was at eight and a half months when my lawyer walked in. And the only reason he did it the way he did it was because there was only one law on the books that said a judge had no immunity. And it's called Stump v. Sparkman. And what he did was he goes to me afterwards, he explained it. He goes, when she violated your rights 30 days after the county wouldn't give you a hearing and you asked her for a hearing and she had 20 more days and she didn't do it, she denied you. She lost jurisdiction over person and she lost jurisdiction over subject. She can no longer hear this case. But he looks at me and he goes, 
we both know she's as corrupt as hell. She's going to do what she wants, and she's going to hear this. And if we fight with her, she's going to stick you in jail and make it harder for you to fight. So he said, let me do what I'm going to do. And he waited a few months. He thought it was six at the time, but we went seven, seven and a half months, and she was demanding a big payment. So Wally walked in and goes, yes, ma'am, here's a check, $500. And he elbowed me and says, plead guilty. And yes, ma'am, I plead guilty to three counts of contempt. She had no jurisdiction to take that plea or take that money. She acted in absence of all jurisdiction, thereby sacrificing her immunity. And that is the law. And mm -hmm. that's something I was fighting under. And this is an example of what you've got to go through in court. And exactly one of the reasons, you know, I suffer from PTSD, like, you know, so many other parents going through this. Yeah, I can't imagine. I get parents call me all the time. How did you get into federal court? Um, how are you doing this? And they want me to save them. And all I can do, because according to my licensing and what I do, I can't give them the law. But what I can do is explain what I've done in my case, how it, how it holds an effect in my case. And then I tell everybody, I said, look, I'm not a lawyer. Consult a lawyer if you can. Read up the law. But the facts in your case have to compart with the law I'm giving you. Mm -hmm. And then if it does, hey, I'm glad I got to share it with you. This was my experience. I hope it gets you further than it got me because I'm still fighting. I, I think it should scare the holy living hell out of every United States citizen out there. This should be as big as George Floyd when a federal judge like William Oreck III, a judge that dealt with the United States president, had the audacity to tell me that a judge has absolute immunity when violating your constitutionally protected civil rights. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, well, I fought it to almost the pinnacle of the United States court system. I was one step away from the Supreme Court of the United States, and they don't want to hear me. They mm -hmm. don't want to hear my evidence. And Again, this is another factor that goes into PTSD. I thought going into federal court, I would have a higher caliber of legal professional and that it's just basically like an almost like administrative court where they want you to list out the facts on a piece of paper. They want you to show you the law and then there's equals. And what should happen? That's what all administrative court ever does. They don't sit here and have these exacerbated trials for months and months. They're facts, law, outcome. And that's what I thought the federal court would be like. Mm -hmm. Very simply, if you violated my rights, it was over. Mm -hmm. I'm still fighting now, and it's, what, four years later? Mm -hmm. Well, see, so, and I think that's where I was going with that. This is why parents are so happy, and they should be. They should be suing because their rights have been violated, and your family's been demolished, and these people should be held accountable for demolishing your family. I, I agree with that. And they should, um, I know there's a thing that some people need to look into. Um, lawyers, they say, you know, try to sue your lawyer. Your lawyer has something called litigation privilege, which uh, basically covers, say, say your ex-husband's uh, lawyer tells a lie about you in court, right? You can't sue him for it because he didn't know it was a lie. He was what your ex-husband told him. Okay. So if he was lied to, he's just conveying his client's position, right? Mm -hmm. um, where I went with this in my federal case, and this is exactly what we're going back on, 
is the fact that the defense counsel had in a discussion with my lawyer and he knows that there was no hearing and yet he portrayed to the federal judge in his paperwork that oh mr andrews got his hearing he pled guilty and he didn't like the outcome so he lost and we shouldn't even be here in federal court and he flat out knows he's lying because they had a discussion and that lawyer his name was wally Kopic, um he passed away during the covid um debacle but he felt so compelled to make sure the court knew that this lawyer was lying, he drafted an affidavit, went and had it notarized, and had his lawyer come in and sign it with him so that it would be, you know, perfectly fly in court as his final statement before he died about it. Mm. And this lawyer now, I'm going back to federal court, and it's like, you can't knowingly lie to a judge. That's perjury. Mm -hmm. And this lawyer knew he lied, and he represents Sonoma County. So that's where I'm going back on. And I'm going to dive further into the PTSD pool as I go through this, because we know they're just going to push back mm -hmm. on me because they don't want to hear the fact that this court took away my kids and my licenses, and they didn't want to admit that it was an illegal uh, denial of my rights as a parent. It was an illegal denial of my property rights as far as my licenses and my life livings go. And I'm not going to stop. I'm mm -hmm. an American citizen. If, if Americans don't fight for their rights, you lose them. Mm -hmm. My brother is a, a veteran of the Navy. My father is a veteran of the Air Force. My son-in-law, who I haven't met yet, Jonathan Tillman, he's an Air Force veteran out in Delaware. If these three men can take time in their life and fight for the rights of American citizens and the rights that I have, then I damn sure I'm not going to quit when I'm right here in court, stop fighting for the rights that they fought so hard for. Mm -hmm. I mean, we are Americans, and there is a certain set of rules that these people got to live by. And I don't care how much money you're getting for all this. Mm -hmm. Too bad. The law is the law. We are a nation of laws. We're not mm -hmm. a nation of justice. We're a nation of laws. Mm -hmm. And that's the bottom line. And I know I'm fighting numbers. Um, when I met Eric Carroll with Dad Talk, we were talking about numbers in Texas. And I forget the year it was, but we were talking about uh, tex the state of Texas got $763 million from Title IV-D um, for the state. And of that, $72 million of it was incentives. That's uh, putting kids in foster care, uh, adopting kids out, taking custody of kids. They get all, they get all bonuses for this. Mm -hmm. How many kids you got to screw over for $72 million a month? Mm -hmm. Kids for cash. I can't even fathom the amount of families that are going through PTSD, uh, financial despair, um, losing their jobs, uh, hospitalization, or like you and me, we both have a heart procedures. Mm -hmm. um, and the other amount of anxieties and things that people are going through. Mm -hmm. um, and also they can get money, find <laughs> another source of income. Mm -hmm. I know mm -hmm. I had to. Right. The, the thing is, you and I are almost like mandated reporters. What the court has done to us, we have got to bring to light and, and continue to argue this out, either in the federal court, the Supreme Court, and bring it to light so they don't do this to someone else. Right. Well, actually, you're, you're correct in saying, we, I know with your licensing as a nurse, you are a mandated reporter. 
I am a court officer. I am a mandated reporter. I, I matter of fact, I just went through this. I was helping a young lady down in Burbank. And because of her per, prior profession in acting, um, mm -hmm. she worked in the adult industry. Nobody seems to take the poor gal seriously. And she's turned around every time she's fighting and stuff. Well, I go down there and I'm finding out um, her mother is taking over like the whole family thing and is trying to put her on the street, um, taking the house from the grandmother. And I had to get with adult protective services and turn this in. Mm -hmm. And so she's like, well, every time I talk to them, they're like, you're just retaliating. I said, well, I'm not retaliating. I've looked at your evidence. I called the DAs. Uh, I have a lady at the DA I deal with here in Sonoma County that um, I do the elder abuse restraining orders. And I told her what was going on. She said those are all red flags, uh, turn it in. So I called up and I turned it in and they're investigating it now. But yeah, we are mandated reporters. And it is up to us in our positions to, you know, say something about this. Mm -hmm. And I'm so thankful for Slam the Gavel and other platforms that are doing this across the nation. Dad talked down in Georgia. Um, the best dad, I talked with uh, Charles Maddox. Um, and just there's a whole group of us from across this country that are saying, you know, in our little small voice, this is unacceptable. Mm -hmm. The great thing is, is we're starting to gather numbers. Once we get through with the little infighting that we're to, you were talking about um, between the groups and stuff, yeah, we're going to have a few fringe stragglers that we know need to say, you know, this isn't acceptable what you're doing. But I think as larger groups, we can turn around and say, you know, look, if you're not going to obey the laws on the books, then we need to change them till you obey them. Mm -hmm. Because what you're doing is unacceptable. Me not seeing my kid since 2008 is unacceptable. Mm -hmm. You know, me um, watching my kids be destroyed by the system. You know, um, at the end of the last time I saw my kids on a regular visit, my daughter was calling me him, and my son called me it. And that's all they would do. They wouldn't do anything. They would just sit there. I don't have to listen to him. And my son, yeah, I don't have to listen to it. And that's what they were doing. And their mother couldn't say anything to her. She wasn't going to do anything about it. That's what she wanted. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And watching this nightmare destroy my beautiful young children i mean this was my daughter and me were almost inseparable we look a lot alike i can't see how she doesn't look in the mirror every morning and wonder where's dad mm -hmm. because she is the female version of me and uh just watching them go through that mm -hmm. horrible mm -hmm. well, and also you know like you don't know what's going to happen to her marriage she could somehow start alienating her husband she could somehow start alienating her own kids from her if she should have kids in the future. I pray not. I, I mean, I'm, I'm hoping at a certain point to go out there to Dover and try and reconnect with her. Uh, I believe my son lives with his mom, so getting anywhere near his mother only causes restraining orders and more court crap. Mm -hmm. um, but I'll at least try and get a hold of her and then let her know to tell her brother that, you know, get a hold of me. But I pray not. I mean, she was mm -hmm. such a, a beautiful child um i got her early teen years you know sh she had a definite driving personality mm -hmm. i would hope that it doesn't affect her home i i hope that it's only to deal with me mm -hmm. i really do because if it's just me and she's having a happy life that's all i would ever ask for for my mm -hmm. child mm -hmm. um you know i want you to be happy 
I want right. you to be healthy. I want your babies to be happy and healthy. Um, so that is that is my deepest wish from my heart is that both of them, that God holds them in their hands, make sure they're okay. They, have, they don't have to go through this family law nightmare in their own lives. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm hoping this young man, he looks like a good young man in the Air Force uh, with my daughter. Um, and I'm hoping he's everything that he looks like. As a matter of fact, I got a friend who's looking him up in the Air Force and trying to get me in touch with him. I thought oh, it'd good. be funny. Call him up and say, hey, I was going to go, hey, you want some pictures of your wife? And then send him the pictures of her when she was a baby with me. Oh, that's cute. Yeah. Yeah, that's all I have. I've only got pictures up to the age of 13, and then it's whatever I got to get online. Matter of fact, um, the gentleman who did the video for me, Mark Fiedelman with Kids Matter, uh, went out to dinner with him and his son and his daughter. And his young son, I mean, so, so the kid's quick, he's sharp. He got online right there, and he found a picture I'd never seen of my daughter. And he goes, he goes is that her? And he's showing me the phone. I'm just about in tears. Uh, she changed her hair color. She was a blonde, and she now got red hair. Mm. And I'd never, and I'd never seen that picture, and it's like uh, we go through a lot, mm-hmm. and it's uh, back to what we started talking about. All of the things we've just gone over are in the PTSD sandwich, and we take a bite of it every single day. Definitely, and I look forward to the day where somebody gives me a slice of pizza. Right. Right. I mean, like I, I've asked for the baby pictures, even just to make copies of the baby pictures and I'll give them back to you. He won't No, no response. I have very little, very few baby pictures <clears throat> and it's a form of control, course of control. If, if my ex-wife came at this point and at least was talking with me and meeting me halfway or something somewhere, I would meet her halfway. I would do that in a heartbeat. I mean, she doesn't even realize that when I sued in federal court, I purposely left her out of it as an olive branch. Everybody's like, no, you should sue the baby mama. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know she doesn't have the $50,000 to go into federal court. And I was at least lucky. I have the skill set in the legal community that I can trade services. And that was how I got Mark Angelucci to represent me. I did some investigative work for him. And he goes, I'll represent you. And unfortunately, he took three bullets in the back of his head after that. But um, I would, if the mother sat down, and matter of fact, at the point in which I settle this, I've often I've made this, and I'll make this as a public claim on your show. Um, when I get the federal thing, when because I, I expect to win my case. There's no reason I shouldn't. Um, when the payment comes, I want to get the kids child support, what was owed. And with the kids, I'm even going to do the, all the fees and fines, whatever amount it is. I'm going to take it, cut it in half, write two checks. And I'm going to go to their mother and say, look, I need to talk to Ben. I have a check for him. I don't want him to tear up the envelope because my name's on it. Um, this is for his future. And this is his child support. And this is what he's due. And say, you know, here you go. And he's 24 now. At this point, I would say, you know, you're a man. Either you're going to buy these lies and this BS, or you're going to sit down and want to talk. But either way, I accept what you choose. You know, I love you. I'm your father, and I've never quit on you. I've fought for you every day I can uh, since I got out of court. And I'm going to do the same thing with my daughter. And then if they choose not to have a relationship, I'm going to have to accept that because they're adults. But mm-hmm. I'm at least going to reach out like that and, um, mm-hmm. you know, try and work that with their mother to at least get in touch with them. Mm-hmm. Now, that's beautiful what you said. I mean, I would like to see myself winning my case if the judge would have 
bothered to read the exhibits, <clears throat> which was evidence, uh, but he rolled them all as irrelevant without even looking at anything. <laughs> how, do you, how do you say something's irrelevant without having seen it? I don't know. But then he decided to have this great idea to close the case. So I had this great idea to appeal it. And I also, feel good. Well, it's still alive. It's still alive. And I am suing an agency, two caseworkers. And I, I did sue the ex because this didn't have to happen. None of this had to happen. That's true. They could have stopped it at any time. But right. and also remember, and this is something when I talk with people about knowing the legal system, remember an appeal is always based on an error of law, not mm -hmm. a re-arguing of the case. Mm -hmm. um, I think Judge Trot said it best. I've seen the video of the Hardwick matter, and he goes, "We're not here to re-argue the case today. We're here to look at the facts in the light most favorable to the law." Mm -hmm. And that's what an appeal is. You know, the law says uh, Marianne gets her kids every weekend for the next month, and yet Marianne only got her kids one weekend in the month. We have to apply the facts to the law and say you've been damaged and mm -hmm. give you some a remedy for it and get those kids back for every weekend. So that's how that appeal works, and I hope that that can help you out because that's a, it's a procedural thing that a lot of pro-pers out there and I know a lot of people that call me after these shows they're asking about, and it's something, you know, if you're going to fight in this arena, you got to learn how the rules are played in the game, and that's what appeals are about. Even when you appeal to the state Supreme Court, or like I was doing, I was appealing to the circuit court and the Supreme Court, uh, you're always appealing a decision based on an error of law. Mm -hmm. Yeah, most definitely. Most definitely. Um, I've quoted so much case law. If they don't, if they can't see through this, I, I don't know. Um, I guess I'll that, just that's another thing. You've been going at it long enough. I'm pretty sure you understand this. But another one, another thing I get is people always want to know about these cases I talk about. And I explain to them, I say, don't just take the couple of sentences I give you in the middle of a case. You need to go online, pull that case up and read about it. Mm -hmm. One of the biggest ones I get is um, the um, Robert J versus Catherine D from 2009. That's mm -hmm. a California appeals court case. And the case itself was all about sanctions. In mm -hmm. California, there used to be a law where there was a cap on sanctions of $1,000. Well, that doesn't help a guy who just spent $400,000 in legal fees to get a thousand bucks back. Mm -hmm. And that's what Robert was arguing. Uh, but the underlying part of the case, what caused all the stuff that led to that appeal, was a false allegation. And the judge in the appeal document put in a section called governing law. And he wrote in there that the governing law said that when an allegation of abuse or neglect arises, doesn't have to be charged, doesn't have to be pled, if it arises, the court necessarily must determine veracity. Keywords in there, necessarily must. That means a judge doesn't have discretion. A judge has to do this, and he must determine veracity, which is another word for truth. Now you go to the next line, it says, before they make a custody decision to ensure that they act in the best interest of the child. So before that judge gives custody to the other parent, you know, and like in your case, this would be your husband if you were using this case. You have to determine was dad lying when he said that mom was beating the kid 
and he got a bruise on his butt. Mm -hmm. And so if they go to court and they have the hearing for the veracity and they find out the kid was playing paintball that weekend and his buddy shot him in the butt with the paintball gun and it wasn't his mother. Well, mm -hmm. guess what? Mom wasn't lying. She didn't beat the child. The kid mm -hmm. was playing with his friend and got shot in the butt with a paintball gun. And mm -hmm. that's why he's got a bruise, right? And so before that judge makes the decision to give dad 100% custody because mom's beating the child, well, wait, mom's not beating the child. Maybe it should be 50-50 custody now because mom's actually letting him go out, play with his friends, and have a normal childhood. Mm -hmm. And he just happened to get a bruise playing paintball, right? right? That's why the case is so relevant. And people, if they're going to learn about you know getting into law and arguing where we argue, and this helps mitigate some of the PTSD with me is that I understand these laws and things. I have many people call me and I try and help where I can, but you've got to understand the, all the rules in the game. It's, I, I say family courts like playing Monopoly mm -hmm. and not knowing where any of the uh, deeds are for the properties, but you got to play anyway. Right, right. Go find it, you know. <laughs> exactly. I know they're in the box here somewhere. They're under the dog in the hat. <laughs> right. Oh, it, it, it's just so frustrating. This is why everyone has PTSD and are having, you know, heart issues, stomach ulcers, anxiety. Um, the good, well, I hate to say the good part about my heart attack was that I had been on Klonopin, which I started after I had gotten well into family court. <laughs> and I was on Klonopin for anxiety. And it just a very mm -hmm. low dose. But when I had my heart attack, the uh, cardiologist came in the room and he said, oh, it's a good thing you are on clonopin." And I said, why? He goes, the clonopin has um, a, a trait in it that helps eat away plaque in the arteries. It has some type oh. of thing that it, he said, this heart attack would have been far worse if you weren't on the clonopin." So, you know, but it's like, you know, some people maybe don't believe in medication or whatever, but I, I felt I had to be on something to get me through this horrible family court judge that was in collusion with the opposing attorney that created this huge mess for my kids. Now they're, they're all greatly disturbed individuals. I don't know what the future yeah. holds for them. And all we can do is hope and pray as parents. Um, i give you another technique I use. Because um, I I, when I sobered up years ago, we talked about that in your last show, um, I got into buying CDs and, mm -hmm. or records from back in the old day. But anchoring to a song, mm -hmm. anchoring, you know, anytime I felt uh, um, pressured or anxious or something, I picked that song by a band called Judas Priest called You Got Another Thing Coming. <laughs> and just hear that, and that's what I used to knock myself out of it. I'd anchor myself into a fighting mode with that. That okay, now I'm going to get online. I'm going to I'm going to find whatever law I need to find. I'm going to talk to my friends and you know the different networks and find out what they know because it's amazing. You know, I've found quite a few times when I've needed something, somebody's called, and mm -hmm. oh yeah, 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 check out this. I found this out, and. You can't say God isn't in this because, I mean, what's going on with children is against all, you know, whatever religion you're in, none of them say abuse the children, mm -hmm. you know, and I know as a Christian, um, God protect, Jesus protected the children. 
So I think God is very sad at what we're doing as a people in these courts. And those of us who are fighting, um, I can't count the number of times something has just fallen in my lap. I mean, even my video um, that's currently out with Kids Matter, Mark Fiedelman just connected with, with me after a show that I did online. And so, um, you know, I can't say that, you know, God isn't in this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, not to bring religion into it, but Matthew 18, 6, um, for those shall offend one of these little ones. You know, if you go read that one, little ones which believe in me, it were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and then he were drowned in the depth of the sea. And that goes for anyone abusing a child emotionally, physically, sexually. That's what's going to happen to them. I don't, don't even get me going on the thing about what they're doing with kids sexually. Um, they worry more about having a mask on during this COVID <laughs> deal than they worry about children being trafficked. Right. Um, that's one of the big. That's one of the big fights I get out here. Is you know that everybody wants to go after CPS, and I mean. I love to help people with their fight in this matter, but I'm, I'm the, probably the worst case scenario because CPS in my case did exactly what it was supposed to do. It mm-hmm. cleared me in four days of a false allegation and returned my visitation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, I support people who are going through it. I know somebody who I actually saw the video. Uh, she was talking with her daughter. Uh, it's Andrea Packwood from uh, the uh, California Parenting Coalition mm-hmm. and she's on there with her I think the girl's like 11 or 12 years old and as soon as she said mommy they're starting to give me medicine to go to sleep the video was cut off and this young girl's a special needs kid and stuff and uh, mother and seen her kids in a couple of years now and um, that's something I just don't know how any politician any parent or anyone tolerates mm-hmm. you, you harm a child in that way and you should be there shouldn't be a a prison that they let you out of right oh yeah well you know that could be another topic of conversation again definitely yes definitely because that that thing that jumps over anxiety and ptsd i mean because if i thought my daughter was being harmed by someone There wouldn't be a question there. If, if I thought she was being harmed or molested like that, you won't need police. They mm-hmm. won't find him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's my daughter. I love my daughter. I may not have seen her in years. But still, I love my daughter. And I would go after anyone who would harm her or her children. Same thing with my son. If he's married, his wife, the children, don't play with my family. Mm-hmm. I will come and mm-hmm. I will lay down the law. Mm-hmm. yeah it's just unbelievable uh you know i i'm so glad i had you back on the show and i'd like to have you back on again um is there anything else you'd like to add uh just much thing to my kids ben kaylee i love you very much i desperately you would love to hear a call from you in that one word i'm waiting for hello mm-hmm well, thank you, Marianne. I really appreciate this platform on Slam the Gavel, and I look forward to talking with you again. 
Don't jump off. Hey, Slam the Gavel is a podcast to help the public understand what really goes on in the family courtrooms that in turn perpetuate parental alienation. I'm your host, Marian Petrie, author of Dismantling Family Court Corruption, Why Taking the Kids Was Not Enough, and Cry Out for Justice, Poems of Truth. Please join us again with Mark in the future with another exciting episode as well as other guests. Thank you again, Mark T. Andrews. Thank you, Miriam. Have a good day. You too.